welcome to Deeper, a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. Our podcast follows the Sunday sermon and aims to help our congregations go deeper into God's Word. Welcome everyone to Deeper as we continue our new series titled Choose Life, looking at the book of Deuteronomy. My name is Clayton Ryan and I'm a member of the 9am service and this week we'll be discussing Broadly, Deuteronomy chapter 7 to 11, but really uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 uh, with Mark Roberts. And apologies for the delay in recording the podcast this week, as the staff team were all up at the Reach Australia conference in Erina, and we'd hope to record it there, uh, but I think we're just a little bit uh, worn out. Would you say that's fair, Mark? Yeah, that's probably an understatement for how we <laughs> yeah. felt up there. Yeah. It was three days of drinking from a fire hydrant, and so... Uh, to be fair, we didn't really feel like taking a breath to have a drink. Yes. We, we uh, yeah, needed to wait until that was all done. Yeah. I think the one break we had sufficiently long enough, we just looked at each other and like, <laughs> no. In that stupor of, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm drunk on uh, Bible content here and that, nothing I can do. Yes. Yeah. But we're much more alert today. That's right. So we're going to push on. And maybe, Mark, can you share with us, it was a busy three days, mm. lots and lots of stuff in mm. there, some great stuff to mull over, which I think will be... There's a staff team be mulling over, and particularly you guys as pastors, for mm. weeks and weeks to come. Yeah. But can you, is there anything in particular that just jumped out at you? Yeah. Uh, the, the conference, uh, for those who are unfamiliar with it, is a, a basically a call to do everything that we can uh, in our power as, as churches to reach Australia with the gospel. And mm. uh, it's very motivating. It's very confronting. Um, mm. But what what they will do at this conference, and, and this is the fifth time now for me to have been, and every time I've come away uh, having my face uh, sort of forced to confront the huge need that there is for us to make disciples of mm. Jesus in mm. Australia and the really quite um, quite horrifying amount of churches that are closing and uh, the need mm-hmm. for new churches, new gospel workers to be raised up, for people to uh, f- have churches uh, that they can access to hear the gospel mm. because uh, the sort of the way the trajectory is going in Australia, uh, yeah. it doesn't look good unless as uh, evangelical Christians we get mobilized to yes. do something about this. And so that's that's both uh, very intimidating and mm. I think very energizing. And I'm kind of excited about thinking about what part WBC can play in yeah. that moving forward. Yeah. I quite like you saying confronting that – they're actually challenging us to look at the way we do church. Mm, yeah, so that's it, right. You know, church, it's not just about us enjoying mm. that Sunday, but actually we have a mission. That's right. And Make, so, making disciples. And yeah. are we doing that? Yeah. That, that was the yeah the thing we were evaluating all week, really, wasn't yeah. it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really great, great conference. Mm. And I'm sure you'll hear more and more about it um, as we mull things over. Mm. So... Last Sunday, you preached, seems a long, long time ago now. It does, yep. <laughs> you preached on a passage that is a real mixed bag, I think, for preachers. Yeah. So it has some great verses on God's love for his people, mm. which every preacher wants to preach on these. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. But it also has some really uncomfortable verses that are kind of like a prelude to the conquest of the land yep. um, that we see in the book of Joshua. Mm. Now, before we revisit um, your sermon yep. and get that recap um, of it, can you just share some of the, I don't know, the ideas, the thoughts, or the struggles uh, that you kind of wrestled with as you're thinking, yeah. I have four chapters, Yep. what am I going to preach on? Yeah, well, 
Um, there, there was the initial struggle as well of uh, how, how do I actually try and do any justice to mm. chapters 7 to 11? That's a lot of text to yeah. cover. Yeah. Um, and so after thinking about the big picture of those um, chapters and arriving at the conclusion that chapter 7 is really sort of, and uh, at the heart, or it's, it's representative, I think, of mm-hmm. what the rest of chapters um, 8 to 11 uh, are covering, yeah. that I felt satisfied. We, we could just deal with chapter 11 through that lens of uh, the kind of marriage preparation kind of idea and being yeah. ready for a relationship with the Lord, what that's going to look like for Israel and for us, mm-hmm. and that chapter 7 gives us basically the building blocks of that. So I, I sort of became convinced of that mm. pretty early in my preparation. The challenge yeah. for me was that um, the majority of the ink that has been spilled mm-hmm. by commentators and theologians about this passage and s- several other passages that we'll probably talk about today, mm-hmm. uh, it has all lately been about an apologetic for the the holy wars kind of yes. that we see here and, and yeah. enacted later in the book of Joshua. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, that's, that's not what I'm primarily interested in as a preacher. That's what our culture is interested in yes. because it's become the hot topic yeah. uh, amongst the new atheist kind of movement as yeah. a way to uh, discredit and warn about the dangers of a, a monotheistic religion such as ours. Yeah. Uh, but in, actually in terms of w- what's going to be helpful for God's people as I bring yeah. this passage to them on a Sunday, dealing with that moral dilemma, I actually yeah. didn't think that was the main thing in the passage. And so yeah. I, I did try to sort of steer around it but it's the elephant in the room and so yep. hence why, why i made these promises about let's <laughs> yes. at least yeah spend some time in the podcast yeah but um wanting to get to the heart of the um the missional dilemma in the passage which mm-hmm. i think is the key thing throughout chapters 7 to 11 uh and and but <laughs> struggling with well i have to say something about this moral dilemma yeah can't just avoid it yeah how much is enough to sort of tide people over until we get the opportunity to get into it a bit further yeah and i thought you did a great job in showing this is the lens, um, and I think you gave us sufficient tools mm. for us to go home and we can read these verses, yeah. and hopefully we'll understand them a lot better, yeah. yeah. which is broadly what we have to do in a series like Deuteronomy, yeah. If, yeah. unless we're going to study it for the next 40 years. That's right. We need to yeah. give people the frameworks through which to see and understand and read the passages that yeah. they're going to be reading in their home groups and things. Yeah, mm. that's right. Now, having... Thought about all that. Uh, are you able to recap your sermon for us? Yeah, I am. So uh, m- on Sunday, I suggested that uh, in this chapter, God is speaking to Israel about what they need to know about themselves, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, if they're going to be uh, in a relationship with God uh, that is going to last once they're in the land. And uh, the two uh, key truths that I suggested God wants them to see mm-hmm. is that, first of all, they are secure in God's love, uh, that his love for them was not based on any of their own merit, but purely mm-hmm. by his divine sovereign choice and how freeing and secu- uh, how much security that gives for Israel and for us to be mm-hmm. those on whom God has set his affection. Yeah. Uh, but then secondly, that they because of that, there are people set apart for the Lord, that they belong mm-hmm. to him, they've been redeemed by him. And so he has a purpose for them. He wants them to be monogamous to him as they mm. enter in the land and uh, there's this call to be separate to be different to not mm. be polluted as they they enter in and we thought about how that applied for israel and mm. how it applies for us to be holy uh, to the lord yeah, as god's holy people his treasured possession one peter yeah. two tells us yeah yeah i found that really helpful that outline that you gave it's like you are his treasured people mm. so be assured and secure mm. of his love yeah and yeah. then know that in that, we are set apart. Yeah. And that gives us a responsibility. Yeah. It was just really 
refreshing yep encouraging yeah. motivating you, challenging you, the the astute listener <laughs> yeah. may may pick up that that's going that has been and that will be the pattern throughout all of Deuteronomy and yes. and yeah. in fact you probably see that in all of our preaching because it's the gospel pattern it's the yes. the pattern of uh, god's love comes first his grace yeah. in choosing and then his work in your life of sanctifying you and yes. making you his own and more like his son jesus and yeah. so yeah you you may have uh, heard the same thing when we preached on the 10 commandments the yeah. week before yeah. that first comes god's redeeming love and then second comes his law for their life and yeah yeah spoiler alert you can see that <laughs> quite a bit more throughout Deuteronomy. Yeah. Now, before we get to the tricky bits, we don't want to spend all our time in those bits, but you mentioned verse 6 of chapter 7 is the lens through which we understand all of pretty much chapter 7 mm. to 11. And this really, I think, formed the basis of your outline. Mm. So can you maybe just expand a little bit on how this verse is the driving force? Yeah, well, I think um, as I was working on the passage, it sort of seemed to me that uh, this was kind of the, the pivot point in the, mm. the logic of the passage, that the instructions that come in the first five verses culminate um, with that um, uh, direction of uh, the declaration of who Israel are as an mm. explanation for why they must do these things in verses one to five. Yep. And so God graciously gives them the um, instruction that they, they belong to him, they're secure in his love. And... Uh, verse 7 and onwards continue to sort of flesh out then what it will look like for them to to be his holy people and mm. and so i started to see that there are kind of uh, two halves here perhaps in the passage and yeah. with chapter verse 6 kind of operating in the that central position it might be helpful to identify the two halves of verse 6 yeah. and and yeah. think about the chapter through those two frameworks there i think there are there is perhaps more that could be said about chapter 7 and i think mm. um, we didn't focus so much on the last 10 or so verses yeah. of chapter 7 uh, which speak about um, their, the confidence they ought to have as they enter the land that they will be yeah. victorious. Yeah. Uh, but for time's sake, we decided to yeah. focus on what I thought were the two major kind of themes they're represented in verse 6. Yeah. And it's, as you said, like it's the lens mm. through which chapter 7 to 11. So take this, go home, read it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, understand yeah. it more clearly. Yeah. Now, it's such a wonderful thing. It was one thing I was sitting down and kind of writing in my notes um, as we're going through this sermon, that it's such a wonderful thing just to stop and to think that God loves his people, God loves us, mm. because he loves us. Mm. It's so simple. <laughs> and so <laughs> and yet profound, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so profound and so liberating. Um, just that sort of reminder that we didn't earn it. Mm. God loves you because he loves you. Yeah, yeah it's that's such right. A, an amazing assurance and security. It is, yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it's it's the exact security and assurance that we have uh, as Christians. Not, yeah. it, this was not just the truth for, for Israel, but yeah. that um, the New Testament will speak of God's sovereign, electing, choosing love, His mm. the, the mysteries that uh, existed before all ages, that he's chosen us to be in Christ. Yeah. Uh, the New Testament doesn't offer any further insight about <laughs> why... Yeah. Us, why yeah. us particular people that God has made his treasured possession, but just reinforces that same logic that this was God's sovereign will to do this. And yeah. that's enough for us to, to know. Yes. And it's certainly enough for us to live with. Yeah. Uh, because it, it removes any fear and any doubt that God's love might be taken away from us. And yeah. i got to say, that I think that's one of the best things about being a Christian yeah. is um, that you don't have to live with that fear, that anxiety of acceptance by our yeah. God. 
whereas uh, you know other monotheistic religions can't offer you that kind of same promise of assurance mm. and security that you will be accepted by God. Yeah. Um, yeah, only a God who says, I'm going to love you because I love you, and that's yeah. the end of the story. Yeah. That's the only the only God who can offer that. Yeah, it's the only God that can genuinely say is a God of love. Mm. Every other God is a God of fear. Yeah. Because, Mark, have you really done enough? Yeah, yeah I don't think right. you have. <laughs> and we can say... I haven't. Yeah, that's right. We can we can face our weaknesses and our failures honestly. Yeah. Because our acceptance from the Father is not at stake. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. news. Really yeah. good news. Yeah. Such a wonderful thing. Mm. Now, tricky verses. Mm. So we, I think we come to these verses, and I think we're right to feel uncomfortable when we see these verses on Israel destroying the nations. You know, I think these verses that we should feel uncomfortable when we read them in mm. some sense because they're not nice versus go in and destroy everything and everyone. Mm. But I have to just sort of stop here and say I think you handle chapter 7 verses 2 to 5 I think with a, a right balance of that discomfort and conviction. And so what I mean by that is that you brought to our attention the awkwardness of the verses mm. but I think by doing so in light of verse 6 mm. This idea of God's people belong exclusively mm. to a holy God. They're set apart and they're loved. And then taking us to verse 16 to say to not destroy these nations that are in the land that they're going in to possess, that God is giving them, would actually become a snare to them when they should be, I think you said, a city on a hill mm. and a light to the nations. And I just want to take this time to thank you for bringing bringing this to light because um, I think the way you did so I think really changed for me at least the way I view these conquest yeah. passages. Yeah, oh, well thank you uh, mm. I'm, I think hopefully this is the, the right kind of um, balance through which to come to a verse such as this with um, sorrow and uh, an acknowledgement of the realness of mm. what we're talking about here that the destruction of human life as a yes. consequence for sin is is not something to make light of or to think mm. cheaply about yeah um, but to, to understand it in the light that God wants us to understand it means mm. we've got to see that this was justified and yes. that what was at stake here was Israel's faithfulness to God and mm. their very witness to the world the mission that God wanted to bring his his light to this world, yeah. that was hanging in the balance. And if you, if you don't feel that missional dilemma, that tension yes. there, then yeah. you, you're not really reading the passage rightly, I think. And yeah. I think uh, Moses wanted to have Israel feel that burden as well. When yes. he goes into those verses 12 to 15, talking about um, how good it would be for Israel yes. if they uh, were faithful to the Lord, yeah. um, there, there's, there's sort of both a carrot and a stick thing going on here. There's mm. this, there is a very real severe warning, but then there's also a promise of what God might do or would, would do if they were just remaining faithful to him. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I think I think as Christians we ought to sort of feel the same way about this as well, that yeah. uh, in faithful obedience and, and sac service to our holy God and exclusive yes. relationship with him, there is – going to be great joy and great blessing, real blessing yeah. in that path for us, but that compromise and syncretism mm. and um, blending into the world around us, worldliness, yeah. um, we, that this is going to exclude us from the presence of the Lord. Hebrews tells us without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so yeah. We, yeah, we ought to feel that burden um, yeah. and that choice be before us. Yeah. And I think you brought out that starkness that 
once Israel lost its distinctiveness, mm. then really what's it good for? Yeah, that's and right. And same for us. It's like, yeah, if we're not going to be that light, um, yeah. that city on a hill, the why, light to the why nations, carry then? the name of Jesus? What are, what are we actually saying to the world if we, we yeah. look just like them? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think these questions probably or maybe belong more to if we were doing a series in Joshua um, with actually going into the land and doing them. But as we're touching on them here in these verses, and mostly because you promised uh, everyone <laughs> that you would answer all of their questions. <laughs> May have been an overpromise. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to address them. So here's a couple of tough questions. I think Christians often ask uh, when they're justified, um, you know, how can you justify what God did to them? You mm. know, how can it be a God of love if he goes in and just murders all these people? So isn't what we're looking at here just ethnic genocide? Um, well, that's the accusation that Richard Dawkins and Christopher mm. Hitchens and all that mob uh, level at this text. And yep. um, I think... That is an incorrect understanding of what this is. Mm. Uh, genocide, ethnic cleansing, those kinds of actions are uh, mass destruction of a race of people based on ethnic hatred. Basically, mm. the hatred towards that particular ethnic group is what is driving and defines genocide and ethnic cleansing. But that's mm. not at all what's happening here in Deuteronomy. Mm. Because the, the destruction of the Canaanites is not based on the fact that they are Canaanites. It's based on the fact that they are sinners. Yeah. Um, the, the, there's no xenophobia towards them. There's no f fear and, and, and repulsion because of their culture. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the issue is simply that the, the Canaanites have sinned against God and they're receiving God's just judgment for their yes. sin. Yeah. Uh, so it's wrong to call it genocide. And, and I think also we have to understand that this is not God's special hatred towards this particular group of people. Actually, this is God's attitude, and it's it's the it is the reality facing every person mm. who uh, sins before their holy God and whose sin does not get atoned for. Yeah. Israel are told that this is their future if they walk away from Him as well. Yes. So yeah. it, this is this is not you know God's the God of Israel and He hates everyone else. No. Yeah. This is God is a holy God and He hates sin. And if His people sin, then they will suffer this way yeah. too. Uh, and so I think we have to remember that as as God instructs Israel to do this, he is not taking pleasure in this mm. task. This is the necessary working out of his justice and his yes. judgment in a fallen world. He tells us in Ezekiel 33 that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, yeah. that God actually wants all people to repent and to come to a knowledge of mm. the truth, 2 yeah. Peter 3. Uh, God is patient with people. And so uh, this is I, – I don't want to say that God is therefore reluctant in bringing his justice, no, mm. but that uh, this is not God's desired outcome for people. He, yeah. he, he, he would have it that nobody in the world faces this future, and yet this is the necessary reality when mm. there is transgression and when his holiness uh, is defiled and yeah. when people blaspheme against him. This is what happens. Yeah. And is it Genesis? Is it – 18 that we looked at in uh, the home groups? Probably 15, yeah. 15, yeah, yeah. about the, um, the increase in wickedness yeah. in the land. That, yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not that uh, God has, at this moment, uh, with Israel here in Deuteronomy, decided that um, the Canaanites have finally you know, done something mm. that he doesn't like and he's, he flies off the handle in a fit of rage and, yeah. and, and punishes them. Now, they've been sinful for hundreds of years, yes. all the way back uh, – 
as you mentioned there, Genesis 15, God says to Moses that one day mm. he's going to go in and displace these people and judge them for their sin, but their yeah. sin hasn't reached its full measure yet. Yeah. And so he's going to give them more time than they deserve, more breath in their lungs than than, is, than they've actually yeah. earned. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we have to remember that. Now, so they're going to go into the land, they're going to conquer, and the land is going to be theirs. Is this a call to, in the first sense, Jewish, and in the current sense, uh, Christian militarism, if that's a word? Mm. Like, should Christians be signing up to join the armed forces so that we can go out and exact God's vengeance on non-Christians for God's glory? Okay, short answer, no. <laughs> okay, um, next question. <laughs> yeah. uh, again, this is this is one of the sort of the new atheist arguments is that yeah. um, uh, as Christians we're dangerous because we believe in a God of violence who judges people violently mm. and that's going to inspire us to commit violence against members yeah. who are uh, people who are not part of our in-group. And that's the logic. And mm. uh, even in preparing for this sermon, I read a, a recent social study that was done in Germany that argued for that exact thing. It took, you know, surveys of thousands of people, of, of religious religious adherents mm -hmm. whose scriptures contained violent texts and they used yeah. Deuteronomy 7 as one of the sample texts for Christians and suggested asked them do you believe in this do you think this was true mm. and therefore you know do you think it's justified to take violent action towards people outside of your group and yeah. the whole study was arguing that oh there's a link here between the existence of this text and Christians mm. and Jews and Muslims with their own texts taking violent action because of them there's lots of problems with that study yeah. I actually disagree quite yeah. severely with the methodology that they've used but yeah. just to say this is an alive uh, accusation yeah. that the world has towards uh, Christians yeah uh, I think it's a mistaken uh, way to think that just because this text is here that therefore Christians are going to pick this up and go right off we go pick up your gun yeah. let's go to the neighboring nation who doesn't know our God and yeah. off we go that's what Again, the new atheist would have you believe, but the problem with it is that, that it's a bad hermeneutic. It's a yeah. bad uh, way of interpreting these commands, understanding them in their context and understanding how they uh, apply to us in a different context, yeah. uh, this side of the cross. Yeah. It's a, a flat reading of scripture, uh, yeah. which as a Christian, you should, you should be very cautious against a flat reading of scripture, which says, well, here's this thing here in this part of the Bible, it yeah. means exactly the same thing for you today, so go yes. and do it. It's, it's not very nuanced. Yeah. The key thing to remember, I think, is that even Israel themselves mm. didn't view these texts as a justification to make war on non-Canaanite people. Yes. They didn't say, right, well, God clearly wanted us to do that, so yeah. it must be right. That, okay, let's head down to Egypt next, and off we, like, yeah. let's wage a war down there. They don't know the Lord either. Yeah. They understood rightly this was a specific purpose, yeah. and this was not a general posture for uh, their people. So uh, that should be a clue to us that yeah. we're not supposed to interpret it that way either. The key thing, I think, for us... Uh, in in not being a, not having a flat reading of scripture, but mm. having a, a nuanced, uh, precise reading of scriptures to understand that something has changed between the old covenant with national Israel and the new covenant with God's people this side of the cross, um, because the instructions that you see uh, to God's people in the New Testament are to actually never in enact violence and to take yes. vengeance. Think yeah. of Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Mm. For it is written, it's mine to revenge, I will repay. Uh, the, the posture of a Christian is to, uh, to suffer, to be hit, to turn the other cheek, rather yeah. than to enact vengeance and, and play out God's judgment yes. uh, on 
his enemies. And so the new the new covenant we're to understand that the civil authority um, are the ones who have been given the sword. Mm. Just as Israel was a civil authority unto itself, it was a, it was a constituted nation yes. uh, as God was dealing with them here in Deuteronomy. They had the authority to wield the sword. Mm. Well, Christians are not a nation. We're a, yes. an, yeah, we are exiles. Yeah. We're a dispersed people. Who is it that has the authority of the sword nowadays? It's the civil authority. That's what Romans mm. 13 says, actually, right after We've been, had those that in, encouragement not to take our own vengeance. Paul goes on in Romans 13 to remind us that the civil authorities are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. It's not our job to yes. punish yeah. sinners and, and, and enact judgment. Mm. In God's sovereign power, he's given that to the state. Uh, and so uh, what I want to say is th- that these texts, properly understood, are not a justification for us to go and be violent towards others and what I try to show in the sermon is that uh, the violence that we are to have is towards our own sin. That's where Jesus directs yes, that kind yeah. of violent, ruthless uh, pursuit of yeah. holiness, not outward but inward. Yeah. And so I think that's that's the right way that we should sort of see this. Yeah. I think even when you continue reading Deuteronomy into chapter 19, you see it has a specific, specific passage on mm. warfare. Yeah. And so it's you're not to go out and make war. That's right. But if someone if comes... If a nation comes to you. Yeah. Mm. First first step, try and make peace. Mm, that's right. And then if they don't, you then go to war. Yeah. But then it goes on to very specifically say, this is different yes. from when you go in yep. to take the land. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think there's many more questions we could um, ask, and I'm sure people have got their questions as well as they're listening. But I think that's enough for us to now to see that these claims that people are making that God is cruel, that God is a God of hate and all Mm. that. It's just not justified. Mm. You can't actually take that view when you take the whole of the Bible. Yeah, that's right. In view. So I think that's enough. But I think one last tricky question I've got for you. Mm. We can't ignore that at the moment in the news, um, there's a lot about Israel. Mm. Uh, So we've got Israel and Palestine yet again fighting is happening. And it's, it's gotten worse. There's... Missiles going from both directions, mm. um, buildings being blown up, people losing their lives. Um, I want to avoid going down this topic of, you know, God has a special thing for Israel, and so we must support Israel 100%. Mm. I want to avoid all of that because I don't think it's a helpful tangent to go sure, down. Sure. But can you maybe give us some thoughts on thinking through this passage now with what's going in the news? Is there something here that can maybe help us can understand um, how we should be thinking about the current escalations. Yeah, I, I, I'm certainly no expert on uh, geopolitics, mm. and um, I wouldn't um, care to speak for the, the, ju- the rationale that Israel have today for their own um, mm. expansionism and whatnot. Uh, that's, that's not what I'm an expert on. Yeah. Um, I think as a Christian who looks on to that, yeah. I think the only thing we can say is that uh, we we ought not automatically... Uh, defend the nation Israel and expect that they are entitled to that land for all mm. eternity. Yeah. Because something has shifted between the old covenant and the new, yeah. and God's purposes are no longer through it, a an ethnic nation. Mm. They're, they're through a dispersed people. Yeah. Jesus himself says that his kingdom is not of this world, mm. and so we ought not expect that uh, the nation state of Israel has any particular um, key part to play in God's mm. global purposes. Um, I think, yeah, it, it's it's not for us, if, if you mm. like, as Christians, to kind of wade into that. 
Um, ours is to be the task of calling people to enter God's kingdom, which is amongst us and uh, which we're looking forward to inheriting mm. rather than uh, building and establishing yes. here on this earth. I think that's probably about as much as I'd want to say. Yeah. I think it's an encouragement that actually as the Christian, what we should be doing is praying mm. because here are two nations that desperately need to mm. know Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And if these two people love Jesus, they will no longer be doing what they're doing to each other. Yeah, yeah. So Good reminder. We should be praying. Mm. Okay, I've worked you... Pretty hard today, yep. Mark, but Some it's your, your own fault. You made promises last Sunday. <laughs> I'll just keep my big mouth closed next time. <laughs> yeah. Now, thank you so much for your patience um, in sort of tackling uh, these um, difficult and tricky questions, and I think giving us a lot of tools to help us think through um, how to understand these issues, and hopefully to be able to read Deuteronomy and books like Joshua and that um, and have these tools in the in our back mm. pocket that we can take out when we need them. Yeah, no, uh, so it's really helpful. helpful. But I've got one last question mm. for you. As we read the Old Testament, we'll see uh, that Israel unfortunately didn't remain faithful, so they intermingled with the nations and they lost their distinctiveness. They were no longer that city on a hill. Mm. But if God loves us today because he loves us, and for all those who trust in Jesus as both Lord and Saviour, how does Deuteronomy chapter 7 encourage us to live as God's people? So no longer God's people in the promised land, mm. uh, but God's people in you know, maybe the new promised land, Wollongong. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. it's that call to holiness. I think mm. the, the implication of this for us is that our allegiance uh, is to be for the Lord. Our hearts are to be uh, his and his alone. Uh, our lives will be lived for His glory in all things, mm. and uh, so I, as I sort of tried to tease out, um, that has both a, a kind of an individual and a corporate dimension to it. Mm. But I really want us to think about um, what is Wollongong Baptist Church known for, if anything. You know, yeah. as, as people say, "Oh, well, you're one of those people that go to Wollongong Baptist." Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. What's the image in their head there? Are, are they looking at us as people who? who don't make sense in yes. this world. They ought mm. to. We ought to be people whose lives are a conundrum to the people who who look on from the outside. Mm. How is it that such people could suffer so well with such hope? Mm. Well, Jesus is the answer. How is it that such people could be so detached from the things of this world? Well, Jesus is the answer. Mm. How is it that such people could uh, be so kind to their enemies and so helpful to those who are insignificant? Well, Jesus is the answer. Mm. Uh, I... I've, desperately do want us to be a people who are known as holy and yes. who, who stick out and and like a sore thumb and who yeah. uh, like that city on a hill that, that light that shines into this this place yeah. like that is not our only that's not the entirety of our mission as god's people we have a message to declare but that message yeah. only makes sense if it's being spoken by people who've been transformed by it and whose yes. lives are consistent with it. Yeah. So I, I would say let's all reflect on our own lives mm. and whether we're trying to blend in or whether for Jesus' sake we're standing out in, in the right way yeah. through wholehearted devotion, lives lived entirely for his glory or mm. not. Yeah. Amen. That's a great way to finish, brother. Thank you. Pleasure. So thank you again, Mark, for your time and thank you everyone for listening. So some of the things we spoke about today weren't easy, uh, but hopefully we've helped give you some tools to tackle these difficult verses and to come through these out the other side, loving God more fully mm. and just with this desire and passion in our hearts to love Jesus more and more and to help draw people uh, to our God. Um, 
Please join us again next week as we continue choosing life in the book of Deuteronomy. Thank you again for listening. This has been a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. You can listen to past sermons and deeper podcasts and also find information about our Sunday services on our website at wollongongbaptist.org. 